0: It's June 26th, and it's time for another episode of Sentinel World, the podcast edition. For this time, I'm recording on a Bluetooth headset just to try this out, and also I confess because I can't actually find my regular headset because I have cleverly put it somewhere that is, well, clever more than somewhere. But regardless, I'm making do. I'm, you know, adapting to the circumstances, and, you know, I've been meaning to do this for a while, and I thought it'd be sort of fun to do as a little bit of a break from everything else, but, hey, hey, and there's my handset. Uh, well, shoot, see, the gimmick for this recording was that I was actually going to record continuously without actually pausing the recording at any point in time. So for me to stop and switch to the other headset would kind of defeat the purpose of the whole exercise. In any case, wait, no, what if it's better in high fidelity? What if it sounds better? What if the whole thing makes more sense? We'll never know. (laughs) And the best part is, I figured I would record a rant, because I've written a rant today every once in a while. I write a rant, or I speak a rant. Actually, I speak rants more than I write them on relatively good at delivering them although for me it's more of a performance art than any kind of actual emotional issue the secret is to find something that's sufficiently worked up about that is ideally trivial but also that you can put a lot of emotion into to really kind of make it punch and hmm, i wonder how the sound suppression is going to affect the punch of the punch Okay, now see I'm looking at the screen watching the little squiggly things go by as if, it, you know, I've said something profound and important, because, of course, all things said profound and important show up as squiggles on my screen. Unfortunately, the only person here is me, and therefore, there's not a lot of profound available. Although, if you like, I can read this container of Indian whiskey, which starts off with, according to Indian mythology... When gods and rakshasas I assume I'm saying that vaguely correctly, the demons churned the ocean using the mountain maru as churner, a golden pot sprang out containing the elixir of life. That was called the amrut. The great founders of our distillery aptly named it Amrut Distilleries. Amrut Single Malt Whiskey is a product of many years' research to produce whiskeys matching world standards. This whiskey... Is made from selected Indian barley grown at the feet of the Himalayas, nurtured by the waters flowing there and cultivated by old and traditional agricultural practices. It is carefully mashed and distilled in small batches to preserve the natural aroma and matured in oak barrels in a unique tropical condition at an altitude of 3,000 feet above sea levels at Bangalore, the garden city of India. To retain the natural characteristics of this oak-aged Indian malt whiskey, we do not chill filter. Some haze may therefore be noticed in the product. Amrut presents this product as a humble tribute to the Indian farmer, who has grown this barley with care and affection with which he has tilled the soil. We hope, as a connoisseur of all good things, you will appreciate this fine product at your leisure. Now, this stuff's the cask-strike stuff, so I'm not sure I can say entirely that I enjoyed it at my leisure, because it was very close to that that moment in the Great Escape where they they hit the uh, still and they pulled out the little pot potato based um what is a potato based drink I guess you know it's a vodka equivalent but you know I don't remember what these are called called but in any case yeah it was it was smooth. um anyway right rant rant theatrical rant. Booyah! That's right. It's a special edition. It's the Rant Edition. That means I probably need to put on my Rant hat. I don't have a Rant hat, and also, it is 30 degrees, or 86, for those of you who speak not metric, and therefore I'm not wearing a bloody hat, because it's bloody hot enough without it. All right to the matter at hand, talking about my elevation. What is it? Oh, great. Screensaver goes, yes, perfect timing. The the actual text has vanished from before my eyes. I should rant about that, but no, I'm going with a written rant and hoping that the fact that I've actually had a chance to think out the words ahead of time will cause me to deliver it better because this is a performance exercise after all. What is it about elevators that turns the nicest people into silently callous scumbags? Why does a little music and a small space take the normal conventions of courtesy and consideration and crap them out onto the floor by... F- <laughs> crap. See, I've blown it already now. In normal edition, I would go back, I would erase that, but no, no, this is one of those ad-lib continue without stopping editions. So, you know what? Back to the beginning of the previous sentence. Why did a little music and a small space take the normal conventions of courtesy and consideration and crap them out into a floor by floor drag of fingernails over a chalkboard? By the way, I'm kind of wondering if that is even a phrase we can use anymore. I mean, given the state of modern education, the whole trend towards computer based education and whiteboards and digital media, do people Have chalkboards still? Does every school have it? Is this a universal uh, experience tying modern students back through the centuries to the historical students in faraway lands working on their little handheld slates? I wonder these things. Yes, there are always individuals who compete to be recognized for reaching the pinnacle of achievement in the field of assholery, but I'm not even talking about them. No, this is much more pervasive and transformative, taking people who are otherwise wonderful people and perverting their own polite impulses into a syncopated rhythm of douchebaggery pro tem. Most people respect lines. The person at the front has been waiting the longest, and as a social courtesy, we generally recognize that investment by allowing them that preeminent position to proceed with their business. It's a social contract. But when you get to the elevator, that social contract is out the window. Because, yes, they're 20 feet away from the elevator that everyone else has boarded. And yes, the doors have started to close. But that won't stop the glacial genius from yelling, Hold the elevator, please. And with that, please, suddenly the people who did queue up early, who waited patiently, and who have now boarded, are all required by the patterns of courtesy to lunge for the hold button so that last person can get a shot at what is surely the most irreproducible resource on the face of the earth and not a space on one elevator among many offering a statistical likelihood of service within 30 seconds. Unless you think that I am being incensed by so trivial a circumstance and that perhaps that last person had a life-defining appointment that could only be made by the use of this and this elevator alone, and only this elevator in the entire universe was positioned to uniquely get them to their destination at the appropriate point in time, well, notwithstanding the epochal lack of planning for a life-defining appointment, let me reassure you that I've only begun to approach the prodigious and nonchalant skull-fuckery of manners that elevators bring to society. Because what I get to experience is not the person yelling, hold the elevator from 20 feet away, but also the person on the other side of the glass security door gesturing to the tardy person who just uh, yelled to hold the elevator to hold the elevator. And now I get to wait for the person 40 feet away to get there. Or even better, I get to endure a conversation where they are discussing whether they need to hold the elevator for some mysterious third person still at their desk while they hold the elevator that last final elevator in all the earth, the last desperate hope of out of the strife-torn pit of misery and despair that must be their workplace. Clearly, their associate's 30-second wait certainly preempts my desire to use the elevator that I'm already fucking inside. But then, the tra- torture isn't done. No, no, not yet. Because how can it be done? I've only gone down one fucking floor, and now I get to enjoy this dance a whole second time. Because without a doubt, it is impossible that the present occupants of the elevator could have anything to do with their lives but to stand and wait for the defective dimwit still at their desk finishing a five-minute phone call about what are we going to do for dinner while their friends near the elevator discuss the life and death. The life-and-death-stakes issue of holding the elevator and the people who held the elevator just a floor above are now sighing heavily at the incredible thoughtlessness of the bastards delaying their low and inevitable progress home. It's just thoughtless and, and unbelievable, but, you know, that's what we do. Four by four like a cascading sequential kick in the nuts, we eventually, haltingly, and oh so painfully descend floor by floor, douchebag by unthinking douchebag, until the opening of the doors at the bottom are like the glowing red exit light from the flaming pits of hell itself and we spill out of that inadvertent madhouse and back into the quiet, courteous anonymity of the social contract that smooths the passage of our people to our society. We leave the elevator and the building knowing that we are free. We are free at last. Free from the madness. Free from the red haze lending our sight. Free until tomorrow. Submitted for your consideration, I give you the elevator, enemy of humanity. That's it for this edition of Festival World. Didn't want to make it too long. Didn't want to make it any more boring than usual. Now I gotta think of some clever music to go with this. And maybe open a credits or something. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll wing that. But anyway, it's been lovely to talk at you. Hope this was worth listening to. I'm gonna go find out. Ciao.